The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program <coughs> contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, good evening, everybody. Um, this is Dr. Jesse Rail, and um, this evening we're going to do a presentation on grief and loss. I apologize in advance for my voice. Unfortunately, allergies in this area have gotten it. <laughs> um, but we'll go from here. Um, there's a lot of information in this presentation. And um, I thought it was a really important presentation because I know um, a lot of people will be dealing with this, especially throughout the holidays, which is one of the times that it is more difficult to deal with issues of, of loss. So um, hopefully some of the information in this will kind of help you prepare and and be able to get through it a little easier. Um, I have worked in the mental health field for over 30 years, which is hard to believe, but there it is. <laughs> and I have worked with many, many people who have experienced just about probably every loss that you can think of, and some maybe that some people can't. Um, it's it's been an, an experience. Um, I've I've read a lot of books on the subject, and they don't completely cover it because everybody experiences loss differently, and each loss is is very different for each person. So you know you can't just stick it in a book and say, well, this 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 and this is what you're going to go through. So for that reason, I don't talk about the process of grief in stages because I don't believe that there is, you know, stages. You don't, you don't go through this and this and this and this and then, aha, I'm done. It, it's not that easy. So I don't talk about the process of grief in stages. Some people do, and that's okay. Um, you know, we all have our different approaches. So what is grief? Well, grief is a emotional, physical, psychological response to a loss. And it, it's a process that, that you go through after experiencing a loss. Um, adults grieve, children grieve. Teenagers grieve, animals grieve. Um, so, you know, pretty much it, it could be said that all living things grieve, but certainly all the higher living things grieve. And grief is very different for each, each person. Um, there are various types of grief. Usually when we think about grief, or loss, we think of a death, death of a loved one, death of a parent, you know, partner, wh whoever. And that certainly is a, a big uh, 
you know, reason to grieve. But there are all kind of other things and reasons that people go into a grieving process. It could be severe medical or mental illness of either yourself or loved one. When people have um, developed a severe medical or, or mental illness, um, they they grieve. I'm presently going through that right now with my best friend who has developed dementia. And it's been a slow, gradual process over the last couple of years. And I knew it was happening. Um, but over the past three months, it is progressively worse. And my best friend is now a very, very different person than he once was. So um, people, people grieve, you know. Um, aging can be a grief process because, you know, you might grieve for things that you didn't do or things that you didn't have. Um, just the fact that you can't do the things that you now do, that can be a grief process when people realize that, yeah, I'm a whole different age than I used to be, and I don't like it. Um, when people develop a disability or, you know, a, a severe medical illness, especially one that isn't going to go away, you know, you're not going to get better. Um, people grieve. They, they need to go through a grief process. It's even interesting. I had a psychiatrist years ago um, who felt that one of the problems that people who acquire a disability at birth or when they're born with the disability, um, he suggested that one of the, the things that may hold people back from really adjusting is that they don't go through a grief process. Maybe they're not allowed, or maybe they don't even know that, you know, they it's, it's okay and it's healthy to go through a grief process because you don't have what you may have had um, if you were hadn't been born with the disability or didn't acquire the disability early on in childhood. So um, that that may be necessary. Certainly loss of home, loss of your job, loss of income, um, things like that are loss. Loss of pets or service dogs, as we all know, can be a major source of loss. Loss of a relationship or a divorce. You know, a lot of times we kind of don't take that very seriously, especially when our teenagers or our children in their friendships or lose their friendships. You know, oh, there's other fish in the sea, or, well, you'll find somebody, or, well, that's his loss or her loss. No, it's not. It's your loss. It's that person's loss. And things like that need to be really acknowledged. Um, grief is a process. 
as we talked about briefly. Um, so I don't really talk about stages, but one of the first things that you're going to experience is shock or denial. And when you realize that you have lost something or someone, and then you may go through a period of time where you you try to bargain to get it back or with yourself. Um, you might bargain with God or your higher power, things like that. You know, if if you make this person better, I'll do anything. Or if you don't let that person die, I'll do anything you want me to do. You know, a lot of times we we try to bargain to try to get that back. Um, sometimes in the process of doing that, we kind of put that on to other people. Um, maybe they have just shared that this has happened. I, I know when I shared with several people that Jim, my friend, was going into dementia. You know, people are like, oh, no, it, it's an infection, or it's this, or it's that, or, you know, don't write him off so soon. Well, I wasn't writing him off. I was expressing what I knew to be a reality. Unfortunately, I'm a psychologist, and I have spent 30 years evaluating people for mental illness and dementia, so I knew exactly what it was. And so, you know, that wasn't very helpful to me because basically um, you know, it was dismissing what I knew and what I was trying to express as this is happening and it hurts and it, it's awful and I'm scared. You know. So be careful that you don't do that to people. You know, let them express what they believe. The worst scenario will be the person's going to get better. Well, nothing too bad about that, right? And then they'll have to say, oh, well, I guess I jumped the gun too soon. But usually that doesn't happen because usually when we know somebody intimately and we love that person, it's like a sixth sense opens up and, and we kind of know what's happening. It's our our psychic's way of preparing us for what will happen later. Um, then you have the emotions and there's all kinds of emotions from anger to fear to extreme sadness to bitterness yeah, just about any emotion that you can feel is felt. And sometimes those emotions just seem to be totally irrational. You know, people are like, well, how can you be angry with somebody because they died? Well, it's okay. You can be angry with somebody because they died or because they left you or because you feel abandoned. Yeah. So the emotions are there and they're not going to 
be the same forever. They will change. You might feel something 15 minutes and and then realize, well, I don't feel that anymore, but now I feel this. Or you might feel something for a day or two and then oh, I don't feel that anymore. Now I feel this. Um, so the emotions are just all over the place. Um, sometimes they're irrational. Sometimes they're very extreme. Sometimes they don't make sense to you or they don't make sense to anybody else. But they're there and they're real. And so it's really important to acknowledge those emotions because you have to experience all those emotions. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Eventually, at some point in time, you get to the point that you accept the loss. You accept that the person is no longer living or you accept that you don't have your beloved house or you accept that this person now has dementia and it's going to be a process and, and you're going to move through this process and eventually the person will will die. And so then you're going to grieve again. And so eventually you reach the point of acceptance. But you have to go through all of this other stuff first. And, and it doesn't just, you know, it's not like walking up four or five steps. It's you walk up one step and then... You get halfway up the next one and you fall down way back to the bottom. Or you get up three steps and you fall back to the first one. And this can happen over a period of minutes. It can happen over a period of hours. It can happen over a period of weeks, months, and years until you finally reach that last step where you can say, I can accept this. It's okay. I'm okay. That's when you know that your period of grief is over. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to ever feel sad or lonely or miss a person or the home or whatever, because you will. But your actual grief is over when you can actually say, I can accept this loss. It's okay. I'm okay. That's acceptance. So let's talk about some myths about grief, and there are a lot of them. Grief is a time thing. People want to know, how long am I going to feel this way? How long am I going to grieve? Well, nobody knows. And there's no way to tell. Some people, their grief is very short-lived, a month or two, three. Some people grieve for years. And it, it's very individual, very situational. So nobody knows. Usually we say about a year because, you know, after a year you've gone through all the first without that loved one or without that you know, without your home, without your job. You've gone through Christmas. You've gone through Thanksgiving. You've gone through all the holidays. You've gone through Easter, you know. You've gone through their birthday. 
your birthday. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean at the end of that year you're going to magically be at acceptance. So some people are, some people aren't. And again, it is so individual, so situational. Another myth is time heals all. Time doesn't heal anything. Time only allows you to go through the process of grief and hopefully reach acceptance. But time doesn't heal anything. Um, sometimes we'll try to say, well, you know, it's better to lose a child than it is a parent, or it's easier to lose a, a, a spouse than it is a parent, or it's worse to lose a spouse. That is so wrong, because it depends on your relationship with that person or even with that object. It depends on your level of dependency on that person or object. And the more dependency you have on them, the closer your relationship, it may make a huge difference. So it's it's not better to lose or worse to lose anything than it is another thing. That, again, is so individual and so situational. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, another myth is it's easier to lose at a certain age versus another age. You know, my father died when I was 16. My mother died when I was 53, I think. Um, it was not easier at 16 than it was at 53 to lose either of my parents. It was very difficult and still sometimes is. Um, the age fairly matter. Sometimes it, it can complicate things because, you know, a 16-year-old teenager is just beginning a lot of uh, the young adult things that, that a father or a mother uh, would want to be involved in and, and they would want that person involved in. But the age doesn't make it better or worse. Again, it, it depends on a lot of other factors. Sometimes we'll say, well, the longer the relationship, you know, if you've been married for 50 years, it's worse than losing your husband after five. That's not necessarily true. I have known people who were married for 30, 40, 50 years, and they had the worst marriage ever. And when that person was gone, they were actually relieved. I've known people who their relationship with their life, their world, the best thing that ever happened to them, and even after just a few years, they were completely devastated. 
So just because a person has been with that person for a long time or a short time, that doesn't make it better or worse. And again, it depends on your relationship with that person. A lot of times people think that children don't grieve. That's not true. They do. They grieve differently than adults. And the younger the child, the more different from an adult grief there is. But children of all ages, even a little young baby, will grieve once they realize that daddy isn't there anymore, or that mommy isn't there, or that doggy isn't there, or that kitty isn't there. They will grieve, and they will express it differently. So it's really important to understand if you do have children and they're going through a loss, that they too are grieving. They too are hurt. And a lot of people think that animals don't grieve, and that's not true either. Uh, animals definitely will grieve. Um, so, you know, that that's a whole different thing. Usually when ch children and animals grieve, there's an acting out because they can't express their feelings. So they act out. They might regress to other behaviors, you know, start wetting their pants or the bed or whatever. Animals might start chewing on things and they never did that or they had stopped it. So, yeah. Um, there are things that complicate the loss process and these may make it more difficult to get through the grief process. Whenever a death has occurred by suicide or murder, that's going to be more complicated than a natural death experience because there's a lot of other issues that go into um, the suicide or the murder. First of all, you may have to go through the whole thing with the investigation. And investigations, especially into murder, can take years. And every single time they call you or you have to go to court, it opens it all up again and again and again and again. It may be that they never do find the murderer. So you never you you can't you know be angry at the murderer or write him or her a, a mean letter or you, you can't do anything if they don't find out sometimes in suicide there's a lot of questions of could have i had prevented it what did i do to cause it you know all kind of questions why did the person do it didn't the person care about me? Um, and, and suicide is never about other people. It's always about that person. But you know, sometimes those questions are hard, and, and it takes a while to, to go through that. Um, I've had two family who committed suicide, and uh, it, it wasn't easy, you know, to... To, to go through, to 
to resolve. Anytime there is trauma involved in the loss, um, maybe you witnessed the trauma, um, maybe you were involved in trauma. Anytime there is trauma involved, um, it's going to be more difficult to grieve that loss because you've also got to deal with the trauma. I know when my doglet ran away from home, she was older and she ran away and she was deaf and she had a lot of medical problems and it was very traumatic because I looked for her and spent weeks looking for her and never did find her. And many other people did the same thing. Um, not only that, I received a lot of threatening emails and phone calls. And people would say that they had Doglet and that they knew she was being abused. It was horrible um, to go through. So the more traumatic the loss, the more complicated the grief is going to be. When it's totally unexpected, when something happens and it just, you you had no indication, no nothing. It just, that's, that's it. That may be more complicated, difficult to, you know, that, that might add another complication. Because if we know that something is going on and, um, you know, that the person is suffering or the animal is suffering, we can kind of prepare ourselves for, you know, what this isn't going to last forever or it's not going to last long. And and so I need to prepare myself for, you know, what's happening. Um, <clears throat> if you had to care for the person or the animal for a long period of time, prior to their death, that may complicate things um, because now you have to deal with all the things that happened while you were caring for that person, especially if, if it didn't go as well or, you know, things happen, people make mistakes, all kinds of things happen. And so you may have to deal with that. It also could be the other way around, though. That could help you prepare for the inevitable. So some people, that doesn't become a real complicator. Some people, it does. Um, survivor's guilt. That is a really complicating thing. Why did I survive and that person didn't? Very often, we see that in traumatic situations like car wrecks or shootings or, you know, things like that, that, that you survived and, and somebody that you loved didn't, or even just somebody beside you didn't. Um, so survivor's guilt is a big, big complicator. Witnessing the trauma um, can be a major complicator because even though you weren't directly traumatized, witnessing a trauma can be difficult. 
um, not having rituals or being able to participate in them can be a big complicator. And that's why most people do have funerals or memorial services or celebrations of life, whatever you call them. Um, that's why we do those things typically. But unfortunately, some people don't get to do that either because their families didn't. Um, in my case, my family did nothing for either of my parents, and it was really difficult to to resolve that because there's no burial place. There's nothing. They were here, and now they're not. And and there's there's nothing, so it's been very difficult for me, and I suspect them, to resolve that. I I don't know why they refused. Um, probably because they didn't feel like they could face up to the pain, of the ritual. But yeah, you know, rituals are healing, and that's why we typically do them. Now there's kind of a fix for that, so that. That's a good thing. Um, having no burial place. Sometimes people don't get their the body back or the remains back. That happened a lot in 9-11, September the 11th attack. That happened a lot with COVID, especially in the early uh, years of it, the first year, the second year. You know, people didn't get to go to the usual rituals, and they may not have even gotten the the person back. Um, so that can be uh, a, a big complicator. Other people's blame, criticism, punishment, or denial, dismissal of your feelings, that can be a big complicator. When, when you're blamed or criticized, um, where people just dismiss your feelings. Yeah. Well, well, it's been a couple of years now. It's time for you to get on. You can move on now. Yeah. Um, lack of support. What we know is people tend to heal much faster when they have support, regardless of what it is, whether it's a loss or trauma an illness, or whatever, when they have support and believe with all their heart and soul that somebody or people truly love them, they're going to heal faster. When they feel safe, they're going to feel heal faster. Um, I lost my place. Hold on. Okay, so when you're stuck, that's when you have not really been able to feel or express all the emotions that you need to. Maybe because you've been so busy taking care of other people. Or maybe because you just haven't allowed yourself to feel what you needed to feel. Um, I, in 2014, lost my mom, and I lost my guide dog, Angel, 
I lost a little pet dog and I lost my home and my business all in the same year. And after that, I just developed a, a major burnout because it all happened and, and just kept happening. And then in the same year, sorry, 215, the same year I, I got Dory and Cheddar and was so focused on Dory and Cheddar and moving into another home that I was not able to feel all the emotions of losing mom and Bowser and Angel. And Angel's death was extremely traumatic. So around 2006, 17, 2018, I became extremely ill and extremely burned out. I wasn't able to do my job. I just disconnected from a lot of things. And that's what happens when you don't go through the process of grief. You will get sick emotionally and physically. But when you're stuck, it is feeling that you can't go on. You can't live without that loved one. You can't ever be happy again. You can't have other relationships. You don't deserve to be happy or to have other relationships. You don't deserve life. You can't find or make peace with the loss. That's when you're stuck. And that is a serious, serious place to be. That is also when you really need professional help. Because it will get worse and worse and worse if you can't get through that. So, hold on. Here comes the train. <clears throat> okay. So, some things that people do that are not helpful, and we probably all have made these mistakes. So this is real important if you want to be more helpful. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that, you know, you didn't care. It just means that you didn't know what to do. People refuse to listen to the hurting person. You know, they just don't really sit and listen. People start telling you, what to do, and how to do things, um, you know, what, what you should be doing instead of listening to where you are at the moment. One thing that people often do, and it is absolutely not helpful, is when you say that you have lost somebody or you share something, they start telling their story. Oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. Well, yeah, you know, I lost 15 people. Well, my sister, so they, they start telling their story. Please don't do that. They don't 
the the hurting person doesn't have the energy to first of all listen to your story and what you're basically doing is taking the focus off of them onto yourself which basically translate to the hurting person i'm not important my feelings aren't important i have to be there for that person i can't tell you how many people came into my office after they had lost various things or people and said, I'm only coming here because I have to pay somebody to listen to me. I have nobody who will listen to me, who will just listen and not tell their story, not judge, not tell me what to do. Well, I didn't charge those people because that broke my heart so bad that there's no way I could have charged them. I just sat and listened. And usually they came for one or two sessions and they were done. So the most important thing we can do is listen, 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 listen. Um, other things that we feel like we have to do is compare our story to or compare our story to their story. Your story is your story. Their story is their story. And there may be similarities, but there's no comparison. So just don't do it. Um, telling them what to do or how to do it or what you think they should do. Uh, just allow them to do what they need to do to heal. Sometimes you might say, you know, it might be helpful or do you need help? But just telling people what to do is not helpful at all. Using cliches. Oh, well, you know, God never gives you any more than you can handle. Or, well, time will heal this. Those might be your beliefs. And you may fervently believe them. They might have been the most helpful thing to you ever. But using cliches basically says to the person, I don't want to deal with your feelings. I'm just going to, you know, make you feel better. You can't make them feel anything except possibly worse at the time. Histrionics, like responding with, oh my God, or starting to wail or cry over their loss. It's their loss. It's not yours. But a lot of people will do that. Um, you know, so get yourself together and just be there for them. Expressing your own anger or extreme emotions, you know, over what happened, that's not helpful either. Because again, it is their story, not yours. So the things that we can do are, that are helpful, listen. And I cannot overemphasize, listen, just be there for that person. 
quietly listen. Don't judge them. Don't criticize. Don't share your story. Yeah. Don't offer advice. All of those things. Just, just listen. You can say, what can I do to help you? That is probably the most helpful question. But <clears throat> if you're not willing to do anything, don't ask it. Stop. 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 Um, what can I do to help you? What do you need right now? If they say something that you could do, but you can't do it because you realize, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't get there. Stop. Then just say, you know what? I, I can't do that. But, you know, ask them, what can you do? Because most of the time they're going to pretty well know what your limitations are and, and they're not going to really, you know, Say, give me $5,000. <laughs> um, send cards or supportive messages or supportive text. And not just when you hear about the situation. You know, wait for three or four weeks or a month or two or six and, and send another one. You know what? I'm just thinking about you. And I know that it's going to be a difficult day or it could be... Um, because usually what happens is we do everything within the first couple of days, and then we leave the person stranded with all of their feelings, all of their loss. And in that first couple of days, they probably don't really even remember what you did or didn't do. But in the month and the weeks and the years after, they will. Accept that their grief is different from yours. Their situation is different. It's, it's a very individual, individual thing. Understand that their grief may last longer or shorter than yours does. Um, if you have helpful resources, you might suggest them. Like when my clients would come, I knew that there were several different support groups in the area. And I would just say, you know, at some point you might want to check this out. I didn't say do it tonight or tomorrow or next week. It wasn't an assignment. Some people did. Some people never did. Yeah. Just suggest something. Allow that person to follow through and go through the process at their own pace. Suggest maybe at a later time, you know, things that helped you during a similar situation, but not right away. You know, you can say, you know, we've talked about this for the past several weeks, and one thing that was really helpful to me was, don't go into your story, just one thing that was helpful. Think about how you might feel if the same thing happens to you or a similar thing happens. And again, listen. 
So the last part of this is how to take care of yourself or how to encourage somebody else to take care of themselves during the grief process. One thing that you want to do is drink a lot of water. I've probably drank more water in the past several weeks since my friend was admitted to the hospital and now the nursing home that I've drank in a long time because I need to flush the toxins out. Eat nutritious foods. And it may be real tempting to just, you know, eat sweets. But try to eat really healthy, nutritious foods. I have to keep reminding myself, you know, what that bowl of cereal isn't going to be an adequate breakfast, dinner, and, and supper. You need to eat some <laughs> vegetables and meat and, and stuff. Otherwise, you're going to be sick. Um, try to get regular and adequate sleep. When a person is going through a loss, their sleep is going to be way off. So, yeah, try to try to get regular sleep or adequate sleep. Try to stay on your normal routine as 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 much as possible and as quickly as possible. So that doesn't mean dismissing your feelings and your needs, but it, the faster you can get back to what feels normal and comfortable to you, the better. Um, you know, if you're working full-time, maybe you could get back part-time for a little while. Um, but, but try to get back on some normal routine. Come up with your own rituals and your own traditions. Um, write a letter to the person or, you know, light candles, whatever you need to do to honor your feelings and their memory. That's really important. Recognize and acknowledge your feelings and don't be afraid to express your feelings. That can sometimes feel really scary because people may not accept them. And it can also, um, you know, a lot of my clients would say, if I start crying, I'll never stop. Yes, you will. You'll stop eventually. And sometimes a good, long, long, long cry is a good thing because it washes out toxins and it helps you express emotions. Find supportive people. If, you know, the people in your life aren't or can't be supportive of you, find a counselor or minister or anybody who can be supportive, which is why a lot of people would come to me and say, I just need to pay somebody to listen. Try to get exercise. Yeah especially if you're a person who had been exercising, or maybe that's a good time to start an exercise routine. Participate in some activities, even if you don't feel like it. It's still important to participate in activities because it gets your mind off of your loss for a, a little while. And it also gets you out there and other people can be supportive of you. Start new traditions. 
um, or rituals for yourself, especially around holidays. Or if you used to go for a walk every evening with, you know, your loved one and you can't do that now, find something that you can do every evening or during that time. One of my dear friends knows that Jim and I used to always get together every single Tuesday evening. And the first Tuesday that we couldn't get together, and ever since, she has said at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock to get on Zoom or FaceTime and have dinner together. Usually what she does is provide a pizza or some kind of dinner. So she does that every Tuesday because she knows that that's what I used to do with Jim. And I can't do it anymore. Understand that your loved one, um, you know, you're, you're not going to just stop missing them or forget them. There's going to be times when you're going to feel an overwhelming sadness or, or missing them. That's normal and it's okay. There's a huge difference between feeling sad and grief. You, you may have reached the point that you've accepted the grief. You're on that, that top stair, step now. But then comes a holiday or a song or something, and you just feel extremely sad. I'll never forget <clears throat> about 10 years ago. I have no idea what it brought it on. I was standing in Jim's office, and it was right before Easter, right before, right before my father died. But my father had died like 40 years before that. And all of a sudden, an extreme, overwhelming sadness hit, and I just absolutely dissolved in tears. And Jim just reached out his arms and said, I know it never goes away completely. And he held me for a little while. I cried and cried and talked about some fun things with my daddy. And I was fine. Give yourself permission to feel what you feel. And work toward accepting the best you can. And then, you know, you can do what you need to do with your life. Um... Prayer, meditation, holding on to your faith, all those things are extremely important. And, and, and there's lots of evidenced research that shows that people who do have strong faith and beliefs typically weather grief better than those who don't because you have a, something to hold on to. So... That completes that part of the presentation.